Welcome to the Pets Who Thrive podcast, where we cover all areas of natural animal health and challenge what we've been conditioned to think regarding how to raise and keep a healthy pet. My name is Tammy. I'm an entrepreneur and a certified animal naturopath with a passion for animals and empowering other pet owners with tools for creating the healthiest version of your amazing pets. Let's dive in. Hello, thank you for joining me today. I am so excited to have our holistic homeopathic veterinarian, Dr. Todd Cooney, back with us. And today's episode is diving a little deeper into what mast cell tumors are and some of the solutions um, that he has seen work really well um, when they are discovered. So welcome, Dr. Todd. I'm so glad you're here tonight. Thanks, Tammy. Glad to be here. Yeah. Uh So what I wanted to kind of start this with is I know like just from, you know, seeing clients and also, you know, just customers come into my store, it just seems like this is mast cell tumors are, are just almost an epidemic. Like um, so many dogs have them and, you know, there's a lot of different schools of thought when it comes to how to, you know, treat them and diagnose them and everything. But before we get into that, maybe if you could talk a little bit about what a mast cell tumor is. Um, sure. Yeah, mast cell tumors, they, they, are, they are very common. It seems like, you know, I think you're right, they are getting more and more common. I don't think it's just our imagination. But mm-hmm. um, a lot of cancers are getting more common, but mast cell tumors are um, they're, they're the most common skin tumor of dogs or skin cancer. Mm-hmm. A lot of times people will ask me, you know, we're talking about tumors and they'll say, well, do you think this is cancer? And yes, <laughs> yeah. I mean, right. all, all tumors are cancer, really. I mean, yeah, um, they're either benign or malignant, you know, and, but mast cells, mast cells themselves are, are a normal part of the body, you know, and they're part of the immune system and they usually reside in the skin under the surface of the skin and they one of the things they do that's that's uh unique is they release histamine so um dogs that are having skin allergies and things they'll usually have a lot of mast cells activated and releasing a lot of histamine and and you know we know all, we all know what that feels like mm-hmm. you know you, you itch and you swell up and you get red and you're kind of miserable um so and we experience that too with things like allergies and skin mm-hmm. allergies. And so, so mast cells are, they're not anything um, strange to the body. They're, they're part of the body. But when these, when these cells and they start to grow abnormally, then, you know, you, you run into the mast cell tumor situation and um, nobody knows why it's gotten more common, but it's definitely gotten more common. So. Yeah. So you were talking about the histamine. So that could be kind of confusing maybe for someone who sees a very itchy dog and they're wondering, you know, is this allergies? Is it mast cell? Is it, you know, a reaction to something? Um, And I guess, how would you know the difference? Um, Well, mast cell tumors usually are, are, you know, discrete nodules, like you'll have a definite bump mm-hmm. and it may, it may still be hair covered or, or it may have lost the hair. The skin might look funny or it might look normal. 
you know, you can just, you can have a lot of variation in these things because some of them are, are pretty, um, pretty mild, you know, they can be mild or they can be pretty severe. Mm-hmm. Um, so it can be hard to tell, but, uh, that it is one that, you know, vets like to do needle biopsies a lot of times on lumps and bumps. So it's one that's really easy to diagnose with a needle biopsy because you'll see, uh, the, the cells will stain, they'll have granules that will stain real easy and they're really easy to identify. Mm-hmm. So it's one that we could even identify when we were vet students. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, that's gotta be pretty obvious for vet students to be able to identify it. Well, um, and it does seem like, um, that tends to be, I guess the gold <clears throat> standard in conventional, <clears throat> um, treatment is to, uh, biopsy. And I know, yeah. You and I have talked at length about sometimes that's, you know, can just aggravate it. Um, and maybe yeah. you could speak a little bit more about that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it will. Um, a lot of times it will aggravate it. And so you can you can have a mast cell tumor that's maybe pretty mild and does not really cause much trouble. And you put a needle in it. And usually with a needle biopsy, you don't just put a needle in it one time, pull it out they put it in and they kind of redirect it multiple times and Mm. really kind of stir up the tissue and that can aggravate the tumor and make it grow faster. I mean, kind of of compared to, um, you know, tapping a hornet's nest with a stick or something. Oh yeah. You you can make it angry. And I've seen them just grow like crazy right after needle biopsy. Wow. Um, To the point where it's hard to remove it. You know, if you want to remove it, uh, my my thought usually is if we're even thinking of biopsying it and it's removable, I'd rather just remove it and then do homeopathy afterwards to try to, you know, prevent regrowth. And sure, sure. Kind of correct, correct the body afterwards. Mm-hmm. So if you have maybe a, a client that you suspect it's a mast cell, but you're not doing the needle biopsy. Um, yeah, sometimes you, you can be really suspicious sometimes just based on the appearance of it, mm-hmm. but I, you know, because, um, the other common lump that dogs get are the fatty tumors, you know, the lipomas mm-hmm. and those have a definite feel to them. That's different than a mast cell tumor. Um, a mast cell tumor, a lot of times will be attached, uh, firmly to the underlying tissue. So you can't really move it around. You can't really kind of get your fingers around it and feel the borders of it. It just feels like it's, it's meshed into the skin. Sure. And um, like, it's really part of the, you know, really attached to the body all around. And that's one of the differences. It takes a little experience, you know, to, to recognize that. And having seen a bunch of them, you uh, get better at it. But sure. um, The other thing, a lot of times the mast cell tumor will, um, kind of bother the dog. A lot of times it's itchy or they'll be scratching at it or biting at it a little bit. Um, not a lot, maybe just a little, but mm-hmm. usually you'll notice them, um, you know, paying attention to it in some way. Sure. Well, the other thing that's interesting is that there are different grades of a mast cell tumor. You yeah. have grade one, two, and three. Could you explain those a little bit more in depth? The grade, the grade is something that pathologists usually assign to it based on how it looks on the microscope. And so, grade one is um, has low potential to spread, and grade three has a high potential to spread. Two's somewhere in the middle, and they base this on how the cells look. You know, if they look 
if they look uh, real well-defined and almost like normal mast cells, they would probably call it a grade one. But if they look like they're um, rapidly dividing and they look kind of bizarre, they look more like um, cancer cells. You know, cancer cells are kind of unorganized looking and they don't all look alike. They all look different. And that's mm-hmm. that's one of the features of cancer cells is they they can't decide what to look like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. They, you can identify them still as mast cells, but they're unorganized and they have a lot of more features of cancer cells. And so the, the more that's the case, the more likely it is to spread. Um, but with mast cells spreading, it's different than, you know, some cancers will spread by going in the bloodstream and the lymphatic and go through the body. But mast cells just tend to regrow in the same place. And that's how they usually cause their headaches. You can Interesting. Remove- remove it and then it comes right back. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I know um some people that have done that. They've they've yeah. had surgery two and three times and it pops right yeah. back up. Yeah. Yeah. It can be pretty frustrating. And so so it's one of those things where if you suspect it's a mast cell tumor, usually the surgeon, the veterinarian will take a pretty wide margin, you know, mm. um all around the borders and underneath it. So they'll they'll cut into normal healthy tissue to try to make sure they they get all the mast cell tumor out mm-hmm. and that, you know, that can be successful with smaller tumors. The, the problem you have is with bigger tumors and depending on the location, you know, sometimes sure. you if it's uh, in a place where you can't really take big margins like that, mm-hmm. that can be a problem. So. Yeah. So it's definitely um, something to consider, you know, whether or not mm-hmm. you want to try to get, have it surgically mm-hmm. removed versus aspirated versus, you know, not have it removed. And if you have that client that maybe doesn't want to have surgery and would you encourage them to remove it? Or do you, do you just move into treating it homeopathically? Um, It it depends a lot on the client, you know, too, and their mindset, because some people are really opposed to surgery. Mm -hmm. Others want to do surgery right away, you know, Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. there's people all in between those extremes. So we kind of talk about it and the options and, and see where they're at, you know, mm-hmm. make sure they understand, you know, what, what the options are. Um, and I always remind them that surgery, you know, really is, is a form of suppression. So if we take it off, we're, we're suppressing it and we may be, you know, inviting more problems down the road sure. the same, in kind or different kinds of problems. So we, we go into it with the full knowledge that, you know, this is not, good as far as homeopathy goes, you know, we're suppressing it, mm-hmm. but, but sometimes you have to, because you, you know, it's, it's not a, say it's an ugly tumor. And first time you see it, it's really ugly and it's really bothering the dog. And we don't have the luxury of time, you know, to sure. wait and see, but if it's not bothering them and it's not too ugly looking, and I think maybe we can benefit from homeopathy, we'll, we'll try it. And a lot of times, We'll go ahead and set a surgery date, maybe a few weeks or a month into the future, and try homeopathy mm, and, okay. and, watch, and watch it and see what happens. And a lot of times they'll call in and, and say, hey, it looks like it's improving. Let's postpone surgery for now and push it off into the future. And sometimes we just keep pushing it off indefinitely. And wow. um, that's nice when that happens. And, and even if it just reaches kind of a static um, stage where it's not growing anymore. It's not bothering the dog. Mm-hmm. You know, the owners can live with it. They're the clients. They're okay with it. You know, yeah. it's, 
it's it's okay. I mean, to me, that's that's a success if we get to that point. Sure. It's never getting any worse, you know. Yeah. But, well, and the other part of that is on the homeopathy, you know, that you're giving them, is the dog on it long term or do you kind of wait and see? Um, yeah, we kind of wait and see. We kind of wait and see. Sometimes they're on it for a long time. Um, you know, sometimes sometimes the thing will disappear after a few months and it's gone and we might stay on the remedy a little longer. Mm-hmm. And then restart it if it starts to grow or if it starts to come back or if another one starts to appear. Um, Dr. Loops, his experience sounds like that a lot of times animals stay on remedies for the rest Mm -hmm. of their life, you know. Mm -hmm. And so and I've I've got a few that have been that way, too. And um, sometimes the remedies, you know, are common remedies that you would think of like Thuya and Silica and Mm-hmm. Um, he mentions using carcinosin mm-hmm. and some other remedies that um, are good for tumors. Um, so a lot of it might just depend, you know, on the dog's constitution, you know, what, sure. what their other symptom picture looks like and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, and um, yeah. So, so the other part that seems to be the gold standard with conventional treatment is to have surgery and then right afterwards chemotherapy. Um, I was going to see if you could maybe speak to that. Um, yeah, it's, it's the gold standard, but it's not very effective. And um, there's, well, there's a, there's a drug that was made specifically for mast cell tumors for treating okay. those. And it's, it's called, I'll turn it to rest of my pages. Ladia, that's what it's called. It's a it's a chemotherapy drug made just for mast cell tumors, but it hasn't really panned out and not really been that effective. You know, it's been in use for a while, but I haven't really heard of anybody having great success with it. And then um, radiation usually doesn't work very well because it's more of a it's more of a systemic problem. You know, it's in the whole body. It's even though it's focused in one spot, mm-hmm. um, the body is out of balance. That's what's producing that that growth. So radiating that one spot doesn't really help too much. Yeah. And so, well, and it goes back to, uh, you know, so many of the conversations that you and I've had too. I mean, I know that you can't really prove it maybe, but so much of our dog's um, disease um, can be traced back to vaccines and whether it's their vaccines or you know, their mom and dad or their grandparents, you know? Um, so yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think vaccines are a big, a big part of it. And, Mm -hmm. um, and it makes sense because, you know, vaccines affect the immune system and mast cell tumors are definitely involved with the immune response. And there's a feeling that, you know, dogs that have a history of a lot of skin allergies and things like that tend to be more prone to mast cell tumors. Mm. And uh, I know Dr. Loop said that hasn't been his experience really, but it, it has been mine. It seems like I see it more in dogs that have a long history of, or a short history of yeah. uh, skin allergies, skin problems, because these can pop up in really young dogs, you know, just a few sure. years old. So, yeah, I, I think there's definitely a vaccine connection. But sure. like you said, there is for almost everything. <laughs> I know, I know. And yeah. the other thing that's, really scary too is when you think about how a lot of the allergies are 
um, being treated conventionally. So you have, you know, the vaccinations and then the dog, you know, a month or so later comes up with horrible allergies. And now we've got all these immune suppressive drugs, you know, mm-hmm. steroids, antibiotics, and, mm-hmm. you know, Apoquel. Apoquel. You said it at the same time. Exactly. You oh. know, um, so this recipe of, you know, Im- uh, compromising the immune system. And so now, you know, it, it, I would say it almost kind of mm-hmm. creates a really good platform for, you know, cancer to go, Hey, I'm going to run amok. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because it's just, um, you know, cancer, cancer really is just uh, a deranged, you know, a derangement of normal function. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's definitely what mast cell tumors are. They're just, they're, uh, misbehaving mast cells, you know, they're just not doing the right thing. Sure. And the immune system in general. Yeah. And, and it's just one manifestation of, of many that you probably will see in dogs that have mast cell tumors. A lot of them probably have other immune type problems like irritable bowel and mm-hmm. maybe hypothyroid and, you know, things that can be sure. traced to immune system problems. Right. Right. Well, yeah. and there've been studies that show, um, you know, kind of going back to allergies that um, Apoquil actually suppresses the body's ability to keep tumors at bay. Yeah. And so, and so here we go, you know? Um, So that's another thing that, um, you know, again, so many people Mm -hmm. are just so unaware of because their vet Mm. prescribed it and they're, they're happy. The dog is getting some relief. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the dog, yeah, dog quits itching the same day. Usually it starts the epic. Exactly. Yeah. And it, it appears to be a, a miracle cure, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, but I think it was Will Falconer a few years ago that wrote the article about the dark side of Apple. Yes. Yes. And that, that was, was a big eye little, opener. Yeah, yes. Very much so. Yeah. Yes. And so it's kind of a, almost a, you know, when you think about it, a manifestation of just the immune system going awry, you know, whether it's, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you know, so many things affect the immune system. Um, yeah. You know, vaccines are one of them, you know, antibiotics, steroids, the yeah. other thing, you know, and all those other drugs that we talked about that stress, you mm-hmm. know, um, a poor diet, you know, there's just so mm-hmm. many things that um, kind of come together. So it's kind of like a a parade of things that have to happen sometimes in order to switch that flip over. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's kind of like a perfect storm situation a lot of times. Yeah. Um, but the bad thing is it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be a perfect storm. That's it true. Can, yeah. You know, I, I mean, a dog can just get a single vaccine its whole life and, and have trouble with something like this. Oh, yeah. Or or get none at all. You know, I was talking to someone earlier today and her, her four-year-old German Shepherd had no vaccines at all. But his dad was a police dog and mm. was heavily vaccinated. Yeah. Now this poor dog's starting to have all these vaccinosis symptoms and mm. the people are really discouraged because, you know, they, they were all excited about um, getting a puppy with no vaccine. Sure. Yeah. Cause yeah. you don't think about carrying damage, you know, down. Yeah. 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 Well, the, yeah, the damage, uh, the damage passes right down to the offspring. And so, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 So maybe talk to us a little bit about the prognosis mm. um, and maybe even just about the, the different grades um, and the um, prognosis associated with the different grades. Yeah. Well, well, the prognosis, I mean, with the, you know, the lower grade ones, the grade one and two is definitely better than a grade three. You know, mm-hmm. if, I, 
if I'm seeing, usually if I'm seeing somebody, they've already had it diagnosed, you know, or if I'm talking to them, they've already been through maybe surgery and biopsy and mm-hmm. they have a, they're sending me the pathologist report and sure and now, now they're like, okay, fix this, you know? Yeah. <laughs> this is homeopathy, <laughs> but um, you know, and it's, it'd be nice if, if we could just zap it real quick and things would go back to normal. But um, you know, a lot of it, again, it's, you know, a holistic approach, you look at the whole picture, you look at the whole animal and what else is happening, you know, cause this didn't just occur in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the lower grades obviously um, can be easier to deal with and easier for the animal to deal with. And a little help from homeopathy a lot of times can, can shore up the immune system and, and get them to the point where their body can keep that under control, maybe even make it go away. Hmm. You know, we have had a few that have just disappeared over time. You know, it yeah. usually takes time. It's usually not a real quick thing. If it if it goes away, it's usually like six months to a year. And, sure. Um, and a lot of times it never goes away, mm-hmm. but but we can keep it um, in check. Like I said, the the ones that are the most difficult are the higher grade ones. You know, the grade three, and a lot of times they they will tend to come back over and over. And, and so, and are those um, only identified by the needle biopsy, the, le- the grades? Yeah. The, the needle biopsy, a lot of times the needle biopsy can't really grade it. It takes um, histopathology where they take an actual section of the, you know, the growth has been removed mm-hmm. and they take an actual slice of it. And then a pathologist can look at it. I mean, they can, they can suspect based on the needle biopsy, but it's a little harder to see the cell structure mm-hmm. and really make that call. So a lot of pathologists, you know, won't really say that unless it's a, um, a tissue sample, you know, from right. the surgery. Right. Yeah. So, um, but you know, the, the thing, you know, the thing to remember is you, there's always, there's always hope with trying homeopathy and maybe it mm-hmm. can turn things around. And so definitely. Yeah, I've seen some real, and they do tend to be uh, doom and gloom about this, you know, as they are with a lot of things. But, mm-hmm. So I've, I've had people come in or, or call me and their dog has a mast cell tumor on the, on the leg somewhere and they're recommending amputation, you know, mm. and, or euthanasia. We saw one the other day, they recommend amputation for euthanasia and the, and it was a tiny little tumor and it wasn't bothering the dog at all. And, and I thought that was a little bit extreme. Wow. But, but you'll see that sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So we, you know, we tried, we started with homeopathy. We tried that. And so far things are going okay. And Mm -hmm. um, it hasn't changed much and the dog's fine. And so, you know, I think, I think the big thing is to not panic, you know, and not, Mm -hmm. not just jump right into something drastic like that. Yeah. And I know, a long time ago, um, when I first was introduced to homeopathy, it was through um, Dr. Will Falconer. And mm-hmm. I remember, um, you know, anytime something would happen um, to one of my dogs, I would panic. <laughs> and I would think, oh, my gosh, everything is, you know, they're dying or, you know, something. It was just, mm-hmm. you know, 911, some, you know. <laughs> and I remember learning so much from the way that he he would um, kind of step back and look at the situation and, and not, um, you know, he would help calm me down, you know, that, 
Okay, let's let's just, you know, look at the situation here a little bit more in depth. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it doesn't mean that that they're going to die. Let's, you know, <laughs> let's try to yeah. remedy. And so I think that so many other pet parents are that way. You know, something yeah. happens, especially when you hear the C word. Um, yeah. Yeah. You just want to get it out. Of, you know, let's get it out of them fast, you know, and because um, yeah. <laughs> we expect it just to, you know, just be a wildfire, you know, and take over. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, I think, you know, kind of, kind of to that is it does take some time and it takes some commitment and, um, especially to giving the remedies and, you know, feeding good food and, you know, all yeah. the things that go along with a healthy lifestyle. Yeah. And sometimes exactly. that's hard for, is, for us that are looking be. for the instant gratification. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. And it's especially hard for the person directly involved you know it's your dog and you're watching this happen and right you know you want you want things to be right you want it to yes you want it to go away and you want things to be fixed quickly exactly <laughs> hopefully I you know, know I, yeah i mean I've, I've been in that boat with my own dogs before and, and i think the and, other lesson from that was also you know look at the symptoms look at the way the dog mm-hmm. is reacting look at the way you mm-hmm. know does he act sick does he act mm-hmm. like he feels bad you know mm-hmm. because you just mm-hmm. hear that diagnosis and I think sometimes you know we focus so much on the diagnosis instead yeah. of letting the bigger picture yeah. um help us help guide us um mm-hmm. yeah. you know instead yeah. of um you know instead of just hearing that one <clears throat> thing and expecting mm-hmm. everything just to fall apart yeah yeah yeah, it, it can, yeah, it can definitely, um, you know, grab your, grab your mind and get you mm-hmm. excited. And we, yeah, we don't use the C word either. We, my, my texts now, like, they like to call it crabs because, you know, the cancer in the Zodiac is a crab. Oh, so, yeah. So we just say they have crabs. Oh, the- <laughs> oh my <laughs> gosh. It, it kind of lightens it up a little, you know, and makes it not seem so serious. That's really um, funny. Yeah. So we have to cure their crabs. I love it. That's really <laughs> um, funny. One thing I was thinking of though, too, when you when you said uh Will Faulkner is I have a I have a patient now that I still talk with that has a dog with mast cell tumor that started with Dr. Falconer mm. years ago. And the dog's still alive. He's a, like a pit bull mix. He's got mast cell tumor that off and on causes trouble. Mm. But um, the remedy that helps this dog a lot is is histaminum, and it's a remedy made from histamine. And mm. so he he keeps histaminum on hand and just gives it whenever the dog acts like he feels bad, or if the mass starts to swell up a little bit, or you know mm. anything out of the ordinary. And Dr. Falconer got him started on that years ago, mm-hmm. and and that's really about the only remedy. Once in a while, I'll send him Apis, and we try that one too because that's a good one for that kind of reaction. Mm-hmm. But you know, histaminum is, and he's he's one of the only dogs I've ever used that remedy on. <laughs> wow! It, it it just came to mind, and yeah, so, so that might be an option. But usually, you're using the big, you know, the big uh, polycrest remedies and things like yeah. Thuya, Maybe Thuya. if you could, if you could, yeah. I mean, again, the best thing to do is mm-hmm. to you know get in touch with you and have them. You know, give them your symptom, their symptom profile, and everything for you to determine the best mm-hmm. remedies. But I don't know if you have kind of a general um, something that you could share, um, mm-hmm. you know, with the listeners on what you found kind of as a tried and true. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, that's, the only thing tried and true really is, is, you know, the right remedy. That's <laughs> and true. that's, that's yeah. the big trick is finding the yes. right remedy. But yes. if you can find that, usually it's going to work pretty well. And um, it's been about the same as um, Dr. Loops. And, you know, there's, uh, you know, finding, figuring out a constitutional remedy for a dog can be a little tricky. And sometimes it's hit or miss for a while trying to figure that out. Mm-hmm. But usually using that, like say if a dog, the constitutional remedy seems like it's phosphorus, you know, and so you're using phosphorus. But if you also use um, bigger um, anti-soric remedies like sulfur, calcarea, carbonica, um, silica, those kind of remedies, you usually you can have pretty good luck. Um, combining those, you know, maybe alternating them or giving them, depending on what things look like. Hmm. So if he looks like he's more in a phosphorus state, try that for a while. Mm-hmm. And then if he seems like he's not, but the growths are bothering him, then try some of the others, you know, maybe mm-hmm. sulfur. I tend to use sulfur and thuya a lot and, and silica too. Those are probably, but calcarea carbonica is a really big one and lycopodium. And, mm-hmm. Um so a lot of these remedies, they're they're well-known remedies for a reason because they just they can help with a lot of things and they they yeah. work really deeply on a lot of these things. So exactly, yeah, yeah. So and I've got you know I was reading a little bit um, when I was kind of researching some of the um, information around mast cells and they have certain breeds that tend to be um, more I guess it happens mm-hmm. more often yeah. um, and the boxer came up as the number one, yeah. which I, I thought, Oh gosh, you know, cause I have a boxer and she does yeah. have, um, yeah. a, you know, a nice little, uh, lump on her side that you and yeah. I are, are, have been, you know, talking about and working on. Yeah. Um, and yeah. you know, we're, that's what we're going for first is the remedies before, you know, going the surgery route, um, yeah. see if yeah. we can't keep it contained a little bit more, but yeah. yeah um, yeah, I just thought it was interesting. And yeah, it is. And they're, they're definitely really well known for mast cell tumors. And, but when you think about it, you know, boxers are real well known for allergies cancer. and they, oh yeah, cancer too, but they tend to be the dogs who come in with the swollen face from a bee sting or mm-hmm. break out in hives. You know, their, their mast cells are like overdeveloped. <laughs> and so <laughs> they, they tend to really go crazy with reactions yeah. But when I used to do a lot of vaccines, the boxers were one of the breeds that always would puff up and have to come back in and get a shot of cortisone because they overreacted yeah. to their vaccine. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that probably is one of the reasons they're, mm-hmm. you know, overrepresented with mast cell tumors, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's that was interesting. So boxer was in the top, you know, Labradors, Golden Retrievers, American mm-hmm. Staffordshire Terrier which yeah. I have one of those and she has a little lump that we've been working yeah. on as well. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So it's interesting. Of course, any dog, you know, is susceptible, but yeah. Yeah. I guess there it's was true. a study that had those as the top. So exactly. Yeah. And it's, yeah. and it's really, it's really kind of unusual to find an older dog that doesn't have a few lumps here and there. That's true. And, and there, a lot of times they're benign. I mean, our, our old, Arnold Dachshund Val, he lived to be 17. And mm-hmm. toward the end, he had little fatty tumors everywhere, you know, but sure. they, were, they weren't very big and they didn't really bother him. And, you know, yeah. just kind of accepted it. We, I tried remedies and tried to make them go away, but 
Maybe we kept them in check. I don't know. They they might have been worse if we hadn't done that. I don't know. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's hard to measure preventative and prevention. Yeah, yeah it is. So yeah. anything else that you can think of that might be helpful for the listeners out there that are, you know, mm-hmm. maybe either faced with a new diagnosis mm-hmm. or just really want to, you know, try to wrap their heads around some of the best things to do should their dog have this diagnosis in the future? Yeah, well, I I would definitely... Um, you know, if if you're faced with it, say, you know, you're faced with diagnosis and trying to figure out what to do, it, it's normal to kind of feel pressured and feel like, you know, I got to do something right away. Mm-hmm. And the, the vets may make you feel that way or, mm-hmm. or, you know, intimidate. It might be intimidating, but sure, I would try to take a step back and at least take a couple of days and do some reading and research and look at some other options, you know, especially homeopathy. And nutrition and, mm-hmm. you know, supplements, things that Tammy's mentioned and, mm-hmm. you know, definitely do that because I think, I think it's a good way to go. And, and it's, it's a great thing to do, even if you are deciding you're going to go the surgery route, you know, a great way to help support a dog after he's had that kind of surgery is with homeopathy, you know, whether it's just giving Arnica to help things heal up from the mm-hmm. pain or, or trying to figure out, you know, what is a good constitutional remedy and, how can we try to make things better? Yeah, you know, right. Down the road. Yeah, because a lot of times that's where we're starting is we're we're already past surgery or we're about to have surgery. Mm-hmm. And then we wanna we wanna make it better down the road. So of course. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably and, a common scenario. And I like what you said, you know, because it is our human nature, you know, we put so much faith in, you know, the medical um industry, a lot of people do, and they, you know, look to vets to be experts on what their dogs need. And so when we're faced with that decision, we're already emotional. We're already scared to death. We don't Mm -hmm. know what's best. And you have someone telling you, here's what you have to do. Mm -hmm. And you do feel pressure and you don't know what other option there might be. Mm -hmm. So um, I think it is a good point to, you know, just encourage listeners to, you know, they could seek you out and, you know, or, you know, someone that knows really how to, how to tackle this without, yeah. you know, making you feel guilty that you're not doing all these things that yeah, have, exactly. have be- become the gold standard. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and keep in mind too, then, and it's nothing against, you know, conventional uh, medicine or vets, but that's, that's all they know, you know, sure. so they're not, yeah. they're not going to say, well, you could look into homeopathy or acupuncture or, you know, herbal medicine, you could do these other things. They're, they're going to, it's like the old joke where if you only have a hammer, everything looks like a nail, you know, that's <laughs> right. Problem that's looks exactly like right. Because yes. they really, they really just have a hammer when it comes to dealing with these things. That's exactly they, right. Yeah. They don't have other tools to, to that's approach right. it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, just keep that in mind and try to try to be calm and mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> it's easy to say when it's not happening, but yeah. And again, <laughs> look at your dog. What is your dog telling you? You know, I mean, are yeah. they on desk door or are they just running around like a puppy? You know? Oh yeah. You know, yeah. You yeah. Know? that's right. Cause a lot of times that's what I'll hear, you know, Oh, he's fine. You know, he mm-hmm. just, he's eating and drinking and acting fine. And so, yeah. So keep that in mind too. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's, it's probably not life or death at the moment. And these mm-hmm. mast cell tumors, the worst, the worst thing they do is they come back. You know, they just, mm-hmm. they can be like a, a stubborn weed in your garden. You pull yeah. it out and the next week it's grown back again. 
Um, and that can be annoying, and especially when you're doing multiple surgeries trying to get rid of a, a growth. But but tackling really? it tackling it with other things too might help might mm-hmm. might prevent some of that regrowth. Exactly. Yeah. That's good. So. Well, this has been so great. Um, I think this will give, um, you know, listeners a little bit better perspective of what a mast cell tumor is and also, you know, the, the different stages and then just options on, you know, different directions to go um, mm-hmm. besides just the, the overall conventional way. And, um, mm-hmm. and I, I, again, I want to state that, you know, and, and I tell my clients this all the time, it's, it's not that your vet isn't a great person or, you know, it's just, they don't know any other way. And so, you know, that's what, you know, that's where, you know, some of the things that we can help them with um, can can give them other options. It's, it is nice. It's nice to have other options. And, and a lot of times just, just knowing that there is another option makes people feel so much better. You know, they they feel relief. They don't feel like they're trapped in a corner and, we we have to do it this way, you know? Exactly. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember early on, whenever I was working with Dr. Falconer, one of the things he said was I was going to go get some um, diagnostics um, done for one of my dogs. And he said, before you agree to what they want you to do, contact me. (laughs) I said, (laughs) okay. And um, yeah, so we went the, you know, the homeopathic route and, you know, they did great, you know, with it. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Yep. Good advice. Good advice. Yes. And, you know, sleeping on it, getting other opinions, all that can be really of helpful. Of course. Yeah. Yep. Most definitely. Yep. Well, thank you again. This is, um, again, super good information. You've given us some ideas on different remedies and also the importance of constitutional remedies, which basically means you're treating the patient as a whole. Um, yeah. And not just, you know, the leg, the arm, the eye, you know, it's, it's their yeah. overall constitution. So, yeah. 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 It's um, a good way to think of constitutional remedy is the remedy they've needed all along. You know, the remedy they've needed. Yeah. Um, since they were born. Yeah. Um, that's a good way to put it. It can it. be a, it can be a hard thing to figure out, you know, because it, it can just be tricky. Yeah, that's <laughs> but, right. But it's a, it's a fun puzzle to try to solve. Yeah, like, so. especially when you get the right piece. Yay. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you again. This has been so great as always. And I know we will talk soon. Okay. Thanks, Tammy. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you love this episode, share it with someone who may also want to help their pet. You can share it now or post it on social media. Tag me in it so that I can reach back out to you. I'm so proud of you for taking steps to help your amazing furry family member. Talk to you soon.